the heart for Jesus. So, what is the heart for Jesus? Uh, and now uh, we are landed on Luke chapter 9, uh, and today we are considering verses 46 to 62. Luke 9 is a transition chapter in the whole book of Luke. And this is the chapter where the focus of Jesus now is to Jerusalem, fulfilling the commission that the God the Father has given the Lord Jesus Christ, which is, uh, even as His eyes are now focused in Jerusalem, it will be the last stretch of His ministry leading to the cross of Calvary. So, even before He went to the cross, uh, Jesus set His disciples up uh, even to minister and to expand His kingdom, and He sent them out two by two. If you remember the previous sermons, uh, Jesus trained the disciples uh, and He gave them specific instructions to what to do when He sent them out two by two and when they cast out demons and there were miraculous healing, they felt so good that at the name of Jesus, demons come out of those who were possessed and many were healed. And then He went on to ask uh, Peter and the rest of the disciples, who do you say that I am? Because Herod the Tetrarch, who had just beheaded John the Baptist, was asking the people, who is this that I heard about? Because I have already beheaded John the Baptist. Why do I still hear uh, people being healed, uh, you know, uh, demons uh, being cast out? Didn't I behead John the Baptist? And when, he, when Jesus asked the disciples, Who do you say that I am? It is a very same question that I want to ask all of us this morning. Who do you say Jesus is? And if you missed Pastor Miranda's uh, sermon last week on uh, who do you think Jesus is, uh, get hold of the sermon and, and listen to that again. Yeah, so... Uh, and Peter, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And after that, they went to the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was transfigured, and together with Him was Moses and Elijah. Uh, and the three disciples who were with Him, uh, Peter, James, and John, they witnessed the transfiguration, and they also heard the voice of God saying that this is my son, my beloved son, listen to him. So after that mountaintop experience, when they came down from the mountain, uh, we landed in verse 46 of Luke 9, and here the Apostle John and the other disciples, they asked one another, who do you think is the greatest? So from the mountaintop experience, they came down, they asked amongst themselves, who do you think is the greatest? And this morning, even as I bring forth this sermon, the heart for Jesus, may you truly be impacted. And these are the four points that you see on screen, which I'll be covering. The heart for Jesus is a heart that is humble. It is a heart that rejoices with others. It's a heart that knows God's concerns, and it is a heart that is all in. So let's look at the first uh, portion of Luke chapter 9, reading from verse 46 to 48. Uh, are you ready? Uh, follow me on the screen, yeah, so that you don't fall into slumber. Yeah, verses 46 to 48. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three. Then a dispute arose among them, as to which of them would be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. So this argument that broke out among the disciples as to who is the greatest. So perhaps the three disciples who witnessed the transfiguration, 
they could have come down to the mountain. Hey, you other nine other disciples, you guys, you are not privileged like the three of us. We witnessed the transfiguration. We even saw Moses, Elijah, and Jesus in their glory. And, you know, I even, we even heard the voice of God thundering from heaven. Hey, we are greater than you. We are so privileged. So that could be their attitude when they came down from the mountain. Perhaps it could be Judas Iscariot. Hey, I'm the treasurer, you know. Uh, I hold the purse strings. Uh, if I do not release any funds, all of you will die of hunger, no food to eat. Yeah? So, so they were arguing among themselves, who is the greatest? Well, if you were here yesterday or you listened to Pastor Jeremy's uh, sermon yesterday, so he gave a lot of uh, questions, who is the greatest, and he did a Google search as well. So some of you, even as you are listening to me here in this hall, or maybe you are online listening to Pastor Jeffrey, you may be thinking, who is this Pastor Jeffrey? Uh, always send me to slumber. I always fall asleep when I listen to him. You know? uh, and, and afterwards, I'll be singing a song as well. Then you may be asking, I, uh, Pastor Jeffrey can sing so well, man. I can sing better than him, eh? you know. Or I, I don't know what goes through your mind. So yesterday, Pastor Jeremy Google and search in Google who is the greatest singer and what is what was the answer? Uh, Michael Jackson. Yeah. So you listen to his sermon. So the greatest singer of all time is Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so all of us, we tend to want to be great in the eyes of people. How many of you, you were here in SIBKL during the CP Tower days? You know where CP Tower is? Yeah. So during those CP Tower days, as a leader, uh, now you have ambassadors, they have a lanyard, they greet you, they give you welcome gift. But back in those days as leaders, you know we have to throw rubbish as well. So sometimes I take the rubbish bag in the lift, you know, then there are people in the same lift, then they look at you, what's this guy holding uh, all this rubbish bag, you know? Because as a leader, we have to, one of our so-called inverted commas duty is to throw rubbish, yeah, after the service. And uh, we have to go to the hospitality room, uh, serve a cup of coffee and tea to people. And after that, we even need to wash the cups and the saucers. How many of you remember that? Yeah, those who have been here long enough. So, and because of that, some leaders actually left the church. And I'm not kidding, yeah? So, so that goes to show how humble we are. And sometimes we tell our friends, I'm proud to be humble. So the very fact that you're proud to be humble, you're no longer humble. Oh. Yeah, so, uh, so Philippians 2 verse 6 to 11 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And in verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So as a human, Jesus was willing to be beaten, to be mocked, to be crucified on the cross for you and I. Why did He do all that? For sinners such as us. In essence, we are enemies of God and yet Jesus became a human being so that through Him, we can be redeemed 
and have forgiveness of sins. Amen? So Jesus counted our interests as more important than His own. What an expression of Jesus' love for each one of us. So what is the heart that pleases uh, Jesus, the heart that is for Jesus? It is a heart that is humble. And the takeaway point from this is to have a heart for Jesus, we need to have the heart of Christ and it's one of humility, love and grace. So join me even as we read this quotation. Yeah, the next slide. A heart that is humble will make our pride crumble. One more time. One, two, three. A heart that is humble will make our pride crumble. You know, all this quotation, I have four quotations which I will go through uh, each one afterwards. You know, when I was listening to Pastor Aaron preach in SMCC last Sunday, uh, the Lord just downloaded all this quotation that you see and, and it rhymes, humble, crumble. And later on, I have three other quotations. When I was listening to Pastor Aaron, the Lord just downloaded to me uh, and maybe I should put a copy right there. But now it's, it's for everybody's use. Yeah, so, so this is something which the Lord has downloaded to me. So the first point is, uh, the heart for Jesus is a heart that is humble. The second point is, the heart for Jesus is a heart that rejoices with others. So what do I mean by this? So let's read on in verse 49. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. So after hearing what Jesus said about being humble and to be as a child, uh, and be the least among them, would be the greatest. Next, the Apostle John uh, seems to shift focus again, uh, and this time he wants to talk about, hey, only we disciples uh, can use the name of Jesus. The other people, they start casting out demons, start using uh, Jesus' name. They are not one of us. Why are they using Jesus' name? So, the rationale for John in saying that they cannot use Jesus' name is that he does not belong to us. He is not one of us. So even for us here in the church, uh, there are many, many other churches who do not believe in speaking in tongues. They do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And even the dispensation, whether the rapture will happen mid-tribulation, post-tribulation or pre-tribulation, people have different opinions on their interpretation of Scripture. And if you come from the church where I was from previously, if you come to church and you, for the ladies and you do not have a veil on your head, uh, a sister will come to you, excuse me sister, can I give you a veil to cover your head? So there are different, different practices in different churches. But the main thing is, when you hear about other churches or other ministries using the name of Jesus and they are doing well, do you rejoice with them? Or do you like, oh yeah, this church, why like that? Then when you hear of testimonies of people being saved or how many people being baptized, do you rejoice together with the person who share the news with you, or do you just fold your arms? I have three salvations only, ma. so great, man. Uh, ten baptisms only, ma. Uh, like that, I also want to post on Facebook, man. Or do you rejoice with them? Yeah? So in this passage, John was trying to have like a, a, a copyright to Jesus' name, and this was how uh, you know, in, in Philippians 1, what the Apostle Paul wrote, that some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here 
for the defense of the gospel, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Amen? So, so long as Christ is proclaimed, so no matter who or which congregation they are in, we rejoice with them, so long as Christ is proclaimed. So, for the Apostle Paul, although he was in prison, and when he heard reports that people are being healed in Jesus' name, people are becoming Christians in Jesus' name, he rejoices with these people who use the name of Jesus because ultimately the kingdom of God is expanded. You know, I want to honour Pastor Ting here. I mean, he is really a living, breathing evangelist. Every week, almost every week, I hear testimonies of him sharing the gospel and people come to the Lord. So he's truly an evangelist. Let's give God a, a praise offering for Pastor Ting. So even for us, when we hear stories of salvation, let us rejoice with the person. Don't have this attitude like the Apostle John. Why these people use the name of Jesus? So long as Christ is proclaimed, in that we rejoice. And the next slide, uh, which goes to say, God, the sacredness of Jesus' name by all means, but do not guard your ministry, denomination, culture, or a particular group. The power lies in His name and in the message, not in the messenger. Amen? So the power is in Jesus' name and the power is in the message, not in the messenger. So even here right now, when I bring forth God's word, the power is not in me. The power is in the message that I'm bringing and in the, in the name of Jesus because I am proclaiming His message in Jesus' name. So the key takeaway from this point is a heart that rejoices with others. Have a heart that rejoices with all who are using the name of Jesus to preach the gospel and expand God's kingdom. And the quotation that the Lord downloaded to me is, a heart that rejoices with others will make us more selfless. So even as we rejoice with others, we will be more and more selfless. We will decrease and who will increase? Yeah, Jesus is to increase and we decrease. So when we rejoice with others, we will make ourselves more selfless. So let us be more selfless Christians and rejoice with others that many are being shared the gospel and many are being added into the kingdom of God. So let's review what we have covered so far. Uh, so the heart for Jesus is a heart that is humble, it is a heart that rejoices with others. And now we are in this third point. The heart for Jesus is a heart that knows God's concerns. So let's continue reading in, from verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and send messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And in verse 54, And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy man's life, but to save them. And they went to another village. So the Apostle James and John, 
their nickname is Sons of Thunder. So here, you know, they are angry because the Samaritans did not welcome them and they asked Jesus, can we call fire from heaven? Let's make them uh, roti baka, you know, and, and burn them, you know. So, uh, how did the Lord reply? The Lord replied in verse 56, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy man's life, but to save them. So, uh, from this verse onwards, in verse 51 of chapter 9, right until Luke 19 verse 44, is what many Bible scholars uh, call it the Jerusalem journey. So, this was the last stretch of Jesus' uh, ministry, even as he prepares himself to enter into Jerusalem and ultimately to be hung on the cross. So Samaritans are mixed Jew and Gentiles, uh, and they have developed their own way of worship, and they even build their own temple in Mount Gerizim, and the thought of going to Jerusalem to worship really put off the Samaritans. So, the Samaritans hated the Jews, and likewise, the Jews hated the Samaritan. But here, Jesus purposely wanted to enter through Samaria because salvation is not only for the Jews, but salvation is for the Gentiles and for everyone who believes. So, these sons of thunder they do not have a heart to know God's concerns as the Son of Man has come to bless and not to burn. So they have forgotten what Jesus has commanded them uh, in Luke chapter 9, verse 5. Uh, next slide. Uh, Jesus told them, If a particular village or town do not welcome you, what do you do? So in verse 5, it says, and whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So even for us, when we share the gospel, if people don't accept you, people don't receive your message, don't be like James and John. Jesus, please zap them. Yeah? Here it says, just shake off the dust from your feet. And move on. That is the very command which Jesus gave the disciples rather than call fire down to burn them. So we can have the zeal for the things of Christ and even respond in the manner of James and John in an unholy, unloving, unchristian way. And we have seen this happening many, many times. When we are unhappy with certain Christian groups, or even a church, what do we do? We go to the social media, we load videos, uh, we say bad things about other churches, uh, we say bad things about other leaders, uh, and this is something which grieves God's heart. Because God's heart is not one which is revengeful, but it is always to save and to love. So if you look at the screens right now, so what is God's concern? So if you check out your NIV version, one whole verse from your NIV version is missing. So that's why I like to use the new King James version because NIV to me is a nearly inspired version. No, just joking. <laughs> just joking. If you love NIV, continue using NIV but I love the NKJV because if you look at the slide here, one whole verse in the NIV is missing. So what is God's concern? God's concern is you do not know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy man's life, but to save them. So this is God's concern that we are in this ministry of saving people. And in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 to 16, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself, 
is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we, brothers and sisters, we have the mind of Christ. So for us as Christians, we have the mind of Christ and must establish a heart that know God's concerns. And in Romans 12 verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, and what is the will of God. In 2 Peter 3 verse 9, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that is the will of God, and that is God's concern that we are in the ministry of saving. We are not in the ministry of burning or destroying people. Amen? So the key takeaway from this point is have a heart that knows God's concerns, which is that all would be saved and not perish without Him. And the quotation here is, a heart that knows God's concerns will make us from Jesus learn. Yeah, so learn from Jesus. Yeah, have a heart that knows God's concern. So learn from Jesus. Even as we sing songs, I mean, we used to sing uh, songs like Hosanna, uh, break my heart for what breaks yours, uh, everything I am for your kingdom's cause. So do we really mean what we sing? When we say, break my heart for what breaks yours, Lord, do we really have that heart that knows God's concerns? And will our heart break like what the Lord Jesus' heart is breaking for those people who have yet to know Him? So break our heart for what break His. Amen? So let's review what we have covered so far, even as we approach the last point. Okay, the heart for Jesus is a heart that is humble. It is a heart that rejoices with others. It is a heart that knows God's concerns. And it is a heart that is all in. So when you say you want to follow Jesus, you must have a heart that is all in. You must be 100% all in. You cannot say 50% for Jesus and 50% for my spouse or for my children. When you are not all in, you are not in at all. Amen? So a heart for Jesus is a heart that is all in. So let's look at the last portion here in verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And in verse 59, yet another one said to him, uh, rather he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own date, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And the last two verses in chapter 9, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell uh, who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. So it sounds very, very harsh and very, very like, wow, who can answer this call to follow Jesus? So this last portion in chapter 9 uh, sums up all we need to have to have the heart for Jesus. So this is like a summary that to have a heart for Jesus, we have to be all in. It is not a heart for self. Uh, and it really drives home the point. So in uh, Ephesians 2 verse 8, we, we read that, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourself, 
it is a gift of God. So salvation is a gift of God. It is free of charge. But following Jesus, that comes with a cost. Salvation is free, but following Jesus comes with a cost. And let's look at the first response. So the first response, when Jesus, uh, when, when this guy uh, unsolicited, this is an unsolicited response where this guy approached Jesus and said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. How many of us, we have said this so many times to the Lord? Lord, I will follow you wherever you send me. You send me to Timbuktu, to Africa, to whichever nation I will go. Uh, and, and I remember this song from Scott Wesley Brown, Don't Send Me to Africa. How many of you know the song? Yeah, yeah the older ones, yeah. So we want to follow Jesus, but don't ever send me to Africa, yeah? Uh, so, so in this first unsolicited response from someone, I will follow you wherever you go, the Lord was emphasizing the urgency of the time. So the Lord didn't tell this guy, you, you cannot follow me, but Jesus was telling this guy, if you want to follow me, it is now uh, and it is urgent. So, and, and what does it mean that the Son of God has nowhere to lay His head? It is so urgent that at times, Jesus will go uh, ministering and don't even have time to rest. And he is telling this guy, if you want to follow me, this world is no longer your home. Your home, rather. There's no time for you to relax. There's no time for you to watch Premier League soccer anymore. Uh, there's no time for you uh, to slumber because the message of salvation is urgent. So, there is no room to demand for comfort, to rest or security in our earthly wealth. So, that is the message that Jesus was telling this guy when he says the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head and he's emphasizing the urgency of the time. In John chapter 2, verse 23 to 25, this is what Jesus said. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in Him. But Jesus didn't trust them because He knew all about people. No one needed to tell Him about human nature for He knew what was in each person's heart. So many a times, we tend to make vows to God. We tend to tell God, Lord, I will follow you. I will do this for you. And many times, it is lip service. So the heart of the matter, most often, is really a matter of the heart. Do we really mean what we say and do what we say that we will do? Or is it merely lip service? So this is what the Lord wants from each one of us, that we don't just give Him lip service, but when we say we follow Him, we will follow Him immediately. The second response, uh, uh, this was the Lord inviting this guy to follow Him. And the response from this guy is, Lord, let me first go and bury my father, and Jesus replied, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. So actually, for this guy, the father is very much alive. The father has not tucked on Xiang yet, you know. So he was still very much alive because in Jewish tradition, when a person passed away, you must bury the person on the very same day. If you remember when Jesus was crucified on the cross, they were waiting for Him to breathe His last breath so that they can take Him down from the cross and make preparation for His burial. So for this guy, when he said, let me go and bury my father, the father was still very much alive. So in essence, 
what he was telling Jesus is, I will follow you, but let me wait until my father pass on. Then when I get his inheritance, uh, because I presume this guy was the first son, so the, the inheritance will come to him. So with his inheritance, I don't need to work. Uh, I will follow you. Then I will take care of all my economic uh, circumstances. So, but Jesus said, no, let the dead bury their own dead. So what does Jesus mean? Let the dead bury their own dead. The next slide, the work of God's kingdom is the work of life, not death. Yeah? So that's what it means by let the dead bury their own dead. Because we are ministers of grace and we are ministers of life. So we are in this ministry of life and the work of God's kingdom is the work of life, not death. Yeah, death will take care of their own, uh, the, the dead will take care of their own dead. Yeah? So that's what Jesus meant by let the dead bury their own dead. And the last response, the third response, also an unsolicited response, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Wow, this one really jalan. Uh. <laughs> Say goodbye also cannot. Uh. You know, so it, it sounds so harsh, you know. I just want to say goodbye to my family. Why can't I do that, you know? But if you look at this verse closely, what do you notice in this verse? The highlighted portion. But me first. My. So this is the language of our culture. It is a me, me first, myself, I culture. So in this uh, response, Jesus is actually addressing the me, myself, I culture. And this is the culture of today. That me first, you second. You last also, never mind. Yeah? It is always me, myself, I first. And this is really what the Lord is saying to this person. If you want to follow me, you focus, even as you put your hand on the plow, if you want a straight line, you cannot put your hand on the plow and look back. So when you look back and you're plowing, what do you get? You get a crooked line. Sing it. Yeah? So when you put your hand on the plow, you have to be focused on the work that is ahead of you so that you will have a straight line and you are focusing on God's work and God's kingdom. And that is what the Lord is telling uh, this guy who wanted to follow Jesus, that you have no time even to bid farewell to your family. If you want to follow me, when your hand is on the plow, focus on the work ahead and continue on uh, and persevere in the Lord. So it seems innocent enough to say farewell, but here the Lord is saying, I want your heart. I want 100% focus, love, and dedication from you. How many of you, you remember what Pastor Chiu always tells us? Make Jesus first, second, and third place in your life. How many of you remember this quotation by Pastor Chiu? Yeah, the older ones. Why did Pastor Chiu say make Jesus first, second, and third place in your life? Because he was saying that if... You make Jesus only first place in your life, uh, very soon the second love that you have will overtake and be, take the first place in your life. So make Jesus first, second and third in your life. Then Jesus will permanently be first in your life. Amen? So this is what the Lord is asking of us, that when we want to follow Him, we have to be all in. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 15, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old self. He died for everyone, so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, 
they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So the take-home message from this point is, have a heart that is all in for Jesus and to count the cost of following Jesus by living for Him and not for ourselves. Amen. So the quotation here is, a heart that is all in will make us to Jesus' holy lean. So let's lean on Jesus and even as our heart is all in for Him, may it make us to on Jesus' holy lean. Amen? So let's review the four points that we have covered so far. The heart for Jesus, you want to repeat after me? Ready? One, two, three. The heart for Jesus is a heart that is humble, a heart that rejoices with others, a heart that knows God's concerns, a heart that is all in. Amen. So my friend, even as you have come this morning, and even for those who are online, the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. So the Lord Jesus is saying to you today, give me your heart. So I really do not know what each and every one of us are going through right now. Whether there's a lot of turmoil in your heart, there is a lot of unsettledness in your heart, and there's a raging storm brewing in your heart. The Lord is saying to you, replace it with His love in your heart. And if that's you this morning, and you may be saying, Yes, although I'm a Christian, but there are certain people who have hurt me. I cannot release forgiveness to this person. There are people who ridicule me, uh, that treated me badly, and they have hurt my heart. Lord, help me to love again. And if that's you, even as I sing this song, may you replace it in your heart with His love. Amen. If you know the song, do follow along. Yeah. Love in 
morning, even as you've listened to the sermon, and if, even as you've listened to the song that has been sung, and if it has spoken to you, and if it has ministered to you, I would like to give an opportunity, if there's anyone here in our midst, you have not received the Lord Jesus into your heart, you are not a Christian yet, and this morning today you say to me pastor i want to have jesus in my heart i want to be a christian at the count of three with no eyes looking around can you raise your hand high enough for me to see and i will pray for you is there anyone in our midst you want to receive the lord into your heart for the very first time Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Yes, I see that hand, brother. I see that hand, brother. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else up in the balcony? You want to receive Jesus for the very first time? Yeah, I see that hand, sister. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Church, why don't we encourage these ones and let us pray this sinner's prayer together with them. Hallelujah. Let's repeat after me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you died on the cross. That you died on the cross for my sins. For my sins. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I open my heart to receive you. Receive you as my personal savior. As my personal savior. And Lord, and Lord, I thank you, I thank you that, my name that my name is now written, is now written in, the book of life, in the book of life and it will never ever, will never, ever be, erased from it. be erased from it. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, give you my heart. I give you my heart. Take my heart. It's yours, Lord. It's yours. And this is my heart for you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Name, amen. amen, amen. The second category of people that I want to pray for is if there's a struggle in your heart, there is unforgiveness, there's a lot of hurt in you and you want to release it to the Lord, you want to tell the Lord, Lord, this morning I want to rededicate my life to you. I want to give my heart back to you. If that is you, at the count of three, can you rise to your feet and make the place where you are standing as a personal altar to the Lord? Ready? One, two, three. If that is you and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, you say, Lord, I want to give my heart back to you. If that is you, 
Can you rise to your feet right now? Thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Father God, you see these ones who are standing before you. I pray in Jesus' name, O Lord, that truly, O Lord, you know what is going on in their hearts, O Lord. And I pray, O Lord, if there is unforgiveness, there's a lot of turmoil in their heart, I pray, O Lord, that truly the God of peace will grant them the shalom in their heart, O Lord. And whatever there is in their heart, O Lord, whatever that they are going through right now, I pray that you will replace it with your love in their hearts, Lord. That even as they have a heart for Jesus, they will truly give you a heart that is all in. So I speak a blessing over my brothers and sisters here, and I pray that in the days ahead, they will truly, O Lord, be focused on you. They will truly give their heart 100% to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tell us what moves your heart. And even as we have the heart for you, Jesus, may it be a heart that is humble. May it be a heart that rejoices with others. May it be a heart that knows God's concerns. And may it be a heart that is all in. So Lord, we give you our hearts this morning. And even as we surrender our hearts to you, we pray, Lord, that truly may you take residence in our heart, Lord, that even in the deeper recesses of our spirit and of our hearts, we pray that in the coming days, Lord, may our love grow more and more for you, that we decrease and you increase in our lives, Lord. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the good Lord turn His countenance towards all of us and grant us His shalom peace. And all of God's people say, Amen, Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming. The meeting is over. For those who are new here, please go one floor below to our hospitality lounge and we would love to get to know you better. God bless you. I'll see you again next week.